Welcome to this edition of Breaking Absolutes. Um, this is maybe only the second time I've brought back a guest because there was just so much information that I thought was uh, we weren't that we weren't able to get to. Um, this is going to be Keith Thomas, who's going to join us um, with without reservation, the most um, decorated, uh, successful music industry professional that we've spoken to. Um, and I felt like there was an opportunity if he was willing to have him come back and focus in on some things that I thought could be valuable for aspiring musicians. And um, in, a, in, a, in a larger way, I think that the, the, the skills and the disciplines, the things that, that make successful musicians successful are probably things that transfer to um, other kinds of disciplines. And I've had some of those kinds of conversations before. Um, but with Keith, I want to focus on on the music, and then we'll extrapolate if it makes sense. Um, uh, before we get into that, let me remind folks, if, you, if you're enjoying the channel and the things we're trying to do uh, in conversation with music, uh, music industry professionals, uh, musicians, uh, to break down stereotypes and try and, and broaden um, the audience for these artists and their art, then uh, like the channel, follow us, um, subscribe if, if, uh, if you have the interest. Helps us continue to do this and hopefully build some momentum for this style of conversation, which is a little bit less radio and a little bit more, um, I, I think, a little bit um, more directed at the value that um, can be had for people who are uh, fans and professionals. Um, with that, just a couple of things. I'll refer you first to my my first conversation with Keith, uh, which is you know there's, we cover so much ground there. I think it's a good it's uh, a good starter. Um, if you're coming into this into this uh, show first, let me just tell you a little bit about Keith. Um, he has been a part of over 60 million um, records uh, being you know uh, sold records. Uh, he's over um, 40 number one records in various genres. Uh, he has a couple of Academy Award nominations and a win. Um, he's multiple Golden Globe uh, and Dove uh, uh, awards, um, Grammys. I think I mentioned the, the 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 point. Of course, I'm making is that where the industry recognizes excellence, um, you find Keith's name again, not just not just one time. And this is absolutely suggestive of um, not just sort of the one hit wonder or a moment in time, it, it, it represents, uh, I think, a viable um, skills inside this industry. Um, and that's unique. It's, you don't always find professionals who are able to create such success and replicate it over time. Um, so with that as kind of my setup, let me bring Keith on and we'll dig into some of the conversation. Keith, how are you? I'm great, Peter. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm going to- um, see you again. I'm adjusting on the fly, so there you go. I wanted to be. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm so pleased that you would make time to come back to talk to us. Um, in all transparency, when we were first introduced, um, I, I don't know that I'd heard your name. And then um, I do what everybody does. I go and look you up. And um, my jaw started to just drop, like uh -oh. inch by inch. I know, obviously, uh, it's a metaphor. But the point is, is, is it was stunning to me really, truly stunning to me to see how much success you'd had with so many varied artists, artists, you know, household name artists, um, and the various ways that you participated to um, help them achieve that success. And, um, and, in, do and in doing so, of course, um, build a reputation, um, the reputation that you have. I mean, I happen to know from some side conversations that you, ha you have uh, an altitude of respect inside the industry that you can call people who sit you know, high up that food chain, uh, and they they take that call because um, they respect you as a person, and they they certainly res respect your um, your credibility inside music. So that's mm -hmm. all of that. I mean, it is is um, it's fun for me to get to be able to have this, and I think it's valuable for the people who are watching us now and the folks who will watch this later. Awesome. Okay. Well, look, I'm just grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, we had fun last time, and hopefully, we'll get into some other important issues this time. And yeah, I think we will. Before we kind of go into the actual music stuff, uh, and what's, you know, just since I think we spoke maybe two months ago or so, anything anything to report that's been fun or uh, inspiring in your in your life since then? 
Well, as you know, we talked about this last time. Uh, this past, July was the 30th anniversary of Baby Baby, the Heart and Motion tour with uh, with Amy, and so we we did several promotional ideas around that. Uh, but it's just, that was a fun experience as to reliving some of them. Uh, you know, they sent me the stems, and I did a, you know, we, we were working on remixes and that sort of thing. So that part of it um, that was that was fun, and I just continued. You know, the, I'm excited about where. The music industry is headed and where we're going in terms of the technology with like oculus and uh, virtual reality so i'm i'm deep into that side of it but we can get into that a little bit a little bit later because there's some exciting things on the horizon for, for oculus i think okay that's great yeah it's, in, it's interesting to hear how these uh, paths streams in my life has crossed because uh, i spent uh, 15 years at microsoft all inside gaming and entertainment and um I consulted and was, and was part of the, the partner uh, team for uh, different uh, outside companies, OEMs, and, and um, this led naturally into a lot of discussion and R&D around VR um, partnerships in the PC ecosystem with um, Oculus and others, and such that now, uh, next to my writing and my music life, I do some consulting. And so um, I do quite a bit of consulting on Oculus. Everybody wants to know about VR. So right. um, I kind of break down the platforms and the opportunity and the trends. And, um, and I know that your work with Facebook and their acquisitions. So that's, that's actually really fun. We'll have to be sure we hit that. Right. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about a few things here with music. Let's, um, for the time being, I think there may be some value in, in what is unique about um, music genres. Uh, and there's certainly easy ways to sort of break down um, popularity, um, size of audience. There's online tools that are kind of fun and dynamic and, and show expressions of that. But I'm a little less, little less interested in, in that because I don't think a musician is, um, and you can debate me on this if, if, if you feel so inclined, but I don't think a musician is successful if, if their intent is to chase a trend, um, it, you know, um, I don't ever think that comes off authentic. I think it sounds exactly the way it, that it sounds like it would sound. It sounds um, affected. Uh, it's, it sounds dishonest. Um, I think even if a fan can't articulate that, they, they can feel that, and that music doesn't have staying power. Is that, um, as a setup, do you, do, is that something you would disagree with, or do you think that they're, I've, I've overstated that? No, I, I mean, I think, uh, per, for me personally, um, the minute I hear a young artist talk about, well, I want my, uh, I want my makeup line or my clothing line, you know, as a big red flag to me because um, that's just a byproduct of, of being successful. If that happens, great. But a, a real artist, and I hate, I hate to use the real artist because, you know, what is real? But uh, but for me and 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 uh, what I look for, I look for an artist that would do this for free. You know, because yeah. I, I mean, I look at myself back in the day. Um, I didn't do it for money because we had no money. So it was like this was just a passion of mine, and that's what I look for in, in new artists today. Is that somebody that they can't help themselves; they have to create. I, I've worked with a few that um, I've even offered my studio to uh, full full time, any 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 time. You can come in here at three o'clock in the morning if you want, and they still don't use the studio. Whereas some of the others would come in and immediately go to the piano room. And that's, uh, you can't drag them off the piano. And that's what I look for. It's that passion um, that, you know, they're not so worried about, um, I mean, look, uh, how we present ourselves and looks and all that stuff's really important. And I'm all about that, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you've got to have that passion, the fire in the belly to be able to, to do this for long-term. I mean, I think anybody can have a hit these days because it's, it's just um, so, so formula. But to have staying power in the marketplace, you've got to be, you've got to have something special inside and you've got to want it. You've got to be passionate about it. I, I agree with that. I, and I think, um, I think to bring that together with um, how I probably poorly articulated where, where I was going with that is what everything you described there seems to me the, the, necess the necessary sort of output of that um, is music that, that is authentic from the person. Um, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess the argument could be made that you're passionate about being successful and in, in service of that, you might make poor music choices like, Hey, you know, and this, you see this actually play out in front of us when um, 
in, in all kinds of music, there's um, copyright infringement. You know, there's people who so desperately want to emulate something uh, that they actually take it you know, too far. They take it into, um, um, you know, places that are illegal. But the, the, I think what I'm getting at is it, I, I think it's a mistake for any artist to, um, to, to try and jump on a trend. Um, this happened, like, in my backyard here in Seattle. After the huge explosion with grunge, um, there, were, there was no end of bands were desperately trying to sound just like Pearl Jam. Um, and there was one or two, to be honest, that actually had a fair amount of success because it, it created such a, a desire for that sound. And I won't mm. name the names because I think that's right. that's not useful. Um, but I don't think. But th- but I guess to, to to underscore my point, the bands that came after, who may have enjoyed some success right during the heyday, they nobody remembers them. I mean, they certainly aren't touring. Pearl Jam can right. still fill an arena, right? You know. Yeah. Um, so if you know if it, if any part of this thing that we're I uh, I think saying is true, then the um, one of the questions that I and I'd sent you some some things to think about. Um, one of the questions I have is how how what are the success indicators? I mean, maybe you started uh, articulate that when you were talking about having this fire and a, and a and a willingness to do it irrespective of success. But I'm wondering, you've worked with so many artists who have had such success. I wonder, you know, if there's any s- set of things that you um, are able to kind of read in, in an artist that telegraph success um, or, or not. Well, let me backtrack a little bit to the, the last question, and that will, I'll try to tie that yeah. in. Um, I think any young artist starts out emulating other, other artists okay. uh, initially. Uh, they have their favorite artists that they listen to. And I, I did the same thing. I had several producers, uh, bands, and that sort of thing that I've just constantly listened to. And so it, when you're first getting uh, your feet, you're actually, you are emulating these artists. But what you hope happens is that eventually you develop your own sense of, of who you are uh, musically. And that's kind of what happened to me. And, and I, you know, I use it's funny because I use David Foster as an example. Early on in my career, people would compare me to David Foster. And I, that was a compliment, but again, I go, wait a minute, I want, I want my own sound. I want my own thing. And that's, that's where I started really pulling away and trying to develop something that you know, I felt like was in, inherently me. And so I think any artist um, starts out that way. And I, and, I, and I have grace in that area because I, I know what that's like. Yeah. But uh, and you may have someone that's just totally an anomaly and they just come out of the gate and they are so unique and, and have their uh, artistry down, you know, to a science. But it's like I, I think initially we all start out doing that um, in, in terms of chasing trends. You know, it's it's been a known fact. If you're chasing trends, you're behind. So, you know, that's 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 kind of the thing. I think any artist needs to do what they love and who. and do what they feel like represents them the best because that's the the honesty of being an artist you know it's like I had a conversation with a songwriter yesterday about um, just her having a problem with being able to say some of the things that she wanted to say because she was afraid it might uh, hurt someone's feelings or or hurt her mother's feelings or whatever I you know it's one of those things where uh, a real artist has to be able to be honest about what they're writing about and what they're singing about and so all that to say is chasing a trend I think is uh, something that young artists do, but then uh, they realize, wait a minute, I've got to, I've got to develop my own sound and my own techniques and that sort of thing, and hopefully that's where that that gets to. Um, remind me of the second question again now. Oh, the indicators. The indicators are, well, you know, when people start responding to what you're doing in a positive way, and um, for instance, like when I first started out, having doing a demo and and the response you get, and you know that takes you to one. What, that, that's like one step on the ladder. And for instance, I, I, we, we talked about the story of Ronnie Millsap when I sent the songs to him, I got to Nashville because of those songs that put me in front of so many other different people. And the, so those, those are the indicators that you know what you're doing is working. And obviously you're making adjustments along the way because we all do. And even today, you know, some 35 years later, I'm still making adjustments because you're looking at where technology is, you're looking at where the music business is, everything changes. So. You have, to, you have to adapt, otherwise you get left behind. 
but the uh, I think the early indicators are when people start responding uh, and wanting you to be a part of their project. And and then you have an artist that comes to you and say, hey, I love what you're doing. Can we work together? Those are just things that, you know, give you the confidence that you need to go forward. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's so much I want to call back on there. So um, when I was at Microsoft, we had uh, it was it was a concept I was unfamiliar with because I was a guy. I was usually in rooms of MBAs, people who had master's degrees in marketing and business um, from some of the, the Ivy League schools, right? right. Uh, and I was a, I, I call myself a refugee from the humanities as an English major. Um, and somehow I wound up at a Fortune 10 company doing marketing for one of the, the world's hottest consumer brands. Um, right. So I was like, I was like, I was trying to prove myself. But there was also, oh, it was also kind of startling how there was like this gap between like applied knowledge and like street smarts for in, in a colloquial term. And so I, there, I found some success in being able to navigate there um, by just some sort of common sense where sort of business acumen seemed to just miss the mark. And um, one of the, one of the things I, I became acquainted with there is a, a term called buying share. Have you heard this? I have not. So buying share is the idea that, um, you know, in, in, in the marketing world, uh, let's say that whatever product, in this case, your, your music is going to attract attention is 10% of whatever, you know, if it's country music, 10% of country fans are going to like your music. They, somehow we've just uh, used this, this fraction, um, this percentage. Um, the, the goal then of marketing is to make the pie against which that 10% is going to be pulled as big as possible. If it's 10% of 100 people, that's, that's 10 people. That's not such a big deal. But if by marketing you can create awareness of your to a million people, well, 10% of a million people is a big deal. That's 100,000. So yeah. buying share is uh, at least part of that idea is um, spending money to, to make the pie as big as possible, to create awareness at such a scale that whatever percentage uh, your product or service is going to sort of uh, excite towards purchase is, is going to be a meaningful number for the business. This takes, wow. this takes money. Um, and in today's world, it, there was this, I, I argue there was this time not long ago when um, social media democratized this for the independent artist. You know, you could, you could get pretty smart about Facebook ads and targeting, and that stuff still exists. But what's happened is even those platforms have began to raise their rates, they began to um, sort of govern uh, how that gets um, um, shared. Um, and it's, what it's effectively done is it's made it hard. It, they've, they've started to close that channel. So the point that, which is coming back to my point, to, to buy share, like let's say you, say you have a, a song or a songwriter that's good. Um, if you can't sufficiently get that out to people to hear the goodness, it, you know, it, it's, you know, you, your only real avenue is hoping something goes crazy viral. That happens, right. but that, you know, the, that's the exception that proves the rule. So um, it, it's kind of a broader question I'm building to, which is it's, I think it's kind of goes without saying now that a lot of the classic um, or the traditional avenue of going with the labels is fraught with complications. We've seen Taylor Swift have to go back and, and she's re-recording her album so that she can have control of her masters because she doesn't like the way they're being used. Um, we know that some of those deals for artists are they're not artist-friendly at all. All the DSP right. revenue, artists are getting almost none of it. Right. So you, you, but then on the indie side, you're finding the, pl the places where they're started to show some sort of freedom and some, some scale have, are, are being closed down. They're being for, for, you know, foreclosed to those artists. And so I'm wondering, um, from your perspective, how does if you if you're an artist that has these indicators, right? Let's say you do you do shows, um, my own show that I talked to about, we get standing ovation every time we perform. Um, so we, we have some we know people are responding to it, but um, the the challenges that I've just laid out. What is your advice to artists to navigate this this world, which is now? fraught with, with pro problems on both sides of, of the equation, both the traditional and the independent? Well, I mean, well, that's, there's a lot there. There um, is, I know. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's, it, look, the labels still control so much of the music industry. I mean, where they're making a million bucks an hour now on streaming. 
So, um, and, and they are heavily invested in Spotify, which is the number one streaming service. Um, so they can actually take a song and put it in the number one position and think nothing about it. Um, for us, and the reason I say us is because I'm not, I'm not part of the establishment. I'm not on the inside uh, at a label. And so I have to go by the same means that everyone else does. We have to do ads. We have to buy uh, ads to be able to get, to get heard. And then again, like you just said, it's sometimes now uh, we don't really know who's actually seeing you know, those ads. So it's, it's, it's tough because um, there's a perception out there that everybody has a shot, but it's still uh, very much in the hands of the major labels. And you have, uh, you know, like yesterday, I was just reading an article about uh, DistroDirect, uh, which, which I think is where things are headed, where eventually the independents will be able to have real access uh, to develop their own streaming this is, a, this is a new site, a new a, a, a startup that they, uh, they're like a disruptive uh, a market. They, they, they tell themselves as a market disruptor for B2B. And so you'll be able to set up your own streaming companies through this company. But, um, you know, it's, I think it's still morphing into what it's going to be. And, and it's still difficult for independent artists to, to actually put one on the board. Um, and TikTok is, is probably now the the platform, the discovery platform. Uh, and if I, you know, it's funny because I, I go on there all the time. I'm looking for artists and I will, I, I followed this young girl. I won't mention her name because she just got signed to Republic, but I followed her for about eight months. I, I felt like she was a star and on the list, you can see who's following her and you can see all the labels are, are right there behind her. And so eventually she, you know, yesterday she posted, she signed to Republic Records. Uh, but that's where a lot of the labels are finding their artists now. And so uh, at least TikTok is giving artists uh, the ability to, to be heard and seen uh, because there's so much talent out there and it's, it's uh, amazing. Um, you know, there, the, the problem with that is that there's really not enough listeners to be able, there's more people doing it than there are listeners. So <laughs> that's another problem. There's also, um, I, I, I'll make the, with the caveat that I am not a, a hardcore TikTok user, I will say that um, from my own experience and the experience of my kids who are hardcore TikTok users, um, it, it, it seems to me that in large part, the music that's sort of uh, um, garnering followers and uh, eventuating in signings are of a sameness. And so there's a right. homogeneity of, of music. Um, like at my core, and this is a very idealistic statement, so feel free to argue with me about this. But at my core, I feel like that's bad for music. Like the the this the variety being the spice of life is an old adage, but I think it's true. I, and and the unfortunate condition with a lot of the the social medias, especially those that are that are where the artists are being found and spending time, are um, they're not creating diversity of, right. of, of music. And so it, uh, I, and I bring this up particularly because um, this is top of mind because uh, later today I'm talking with um, the founder and CEO of the, the Metal Hall of Fame. And the Metal Hall of Fame exists. It's newer, it's five or six years, but it exists because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame continually inducts artists who have no relationship with rock and roll. And so you can make a high-minded statement that, well, you know, rock and roll is not a kind of music. It's an attitude. Okay, well, that's fine. Then call it the Music Hall of Fame or something. But there yeah. are, there are um, absolutely foundational groups that continue to get um, um, shunted aside in favor of artists that have no relationship to the music at all. And, um, and but not even that, uh, other kinds of people in, in the industry. And so it's become this kind of almost front for the, the boys club of people you want to have in the club. So there, now there's this metal hall of fame and, and that's the context for, uh, their, um, TikTok would be great if I was doing rap and hip hop, I think is something more pop oriented, but there are, I would even argue country's not the place for TikTok. There are huge strata uh, categories of music. And, um, so I'm, I'm just look, looking to sort of have the dialogue with you about, um, how do artists who maybe are not um, creating the music that is going to, you know, get a, a label follow on TikTok, um, how are they going to <clears throat> um, navigate this world where, yes, there are labels that are not only signing pop, um, 
but even spending your own money in in ads has now got diminishing returns. I know I, this sounds really pessimistic, Keith, and I'm sorry. No, but it's, it's, it's true. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah, for that. True. But I'm I'm what I'm hoping to do is arrive at some some sort of tactical wisdom for people who maybe not writing a radio hit right now, but but whose music has substance. And this all fa falls well, from my very idealistic youth, where I, I had a voice trainer tell me, you give the people what they need, not what they think they need. Right. Which is to say there's something about music that services the soul that's important. It's not, it's not really about how many streams you get um, so that you can get your .0001 cent. Um, and I, and I'm very passionate about That's the whole reason I do this show, by the way is because I think that music matters on, you know, in a non-commercial way. But I think right. that this music deserves audience and some reward. And so any, I'm just trying to pick at your brain a little bit and see if there's any tactical wisdom you have in this. You know, and I, this has been a very long question. I apologize. But it's, no, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, to me, it's a complicated problem. Right. Well, again, um, one of the problems, and I say problems, is like it, it's – some of the things that we can't even control. It's uh, a lot of the software and you're, you're more um, privy to this than, or you're more educated about this than I am probably, is just that a lot of what's out there now is controlled by algorithms. And um, for instance, TikTok, if you don't post three times a day, you're not meeting the algorithm. There are certain little tricks you can do by taking the most popular song, putting it in your TikTok and turning the volume down. You know, all those little things, you wow. have, those are, those are like jumping through hoops to be able to get your music heard. If we were talking about human to human, we were talking about like, well, like it used to be. It's like back in the day, uh, you would have curators at the labels and they would uh, they would go out and they'd find real, uh, I, keep, I keep using that word real because that's, back in the day, you would have guys that were musicians and, and they, they worked for the label and they understood uh, the artist a little bit better. Now it's it's a, a lot of young hip, hipsters that are hired to go out and find the latest trend, and that's that's one of the problems I, I feel like is that um, you know it takes someone with a, a different skill set at, at a label to be able to see talent in a different way. I mean, otherwise Adele would have never made it through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, and so everybody's caught in this little bubble of trying to. Um, uh, make the algorithms work for them because that's where we are right now. And, yeah. and, and I don't know how to affect it. I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, a friend of mine who was the head of Spotify a while back just said, look, we have a hundred new playlists and they're faceless. There's nothing. I, he said, I don't even know how to, how to affect it myself. He said, but they're faceless and they're completely controlled by algorithms. So that's what we're up against more than anything. Yeah. I, there's an interesting comment to be made about playlists because there's, um, there's a lot of advice about chasing playlist curators because, you know, if you get on the right playlist, you're going to get a lot of plays. Right. But the, the, the sort of um, wisdom that's, that's coming up now is that's not actually doing much for the artist because the people who are following this list, they just follow the lists. They're not, right. they, they, they almost never drill down to the artist and then begin to follow the artist and all of their other music. Um, so it's like mixtapes. You know, you you listen to the song, it's cool, and then you're off again. Um, right. So chasing playlists is in some of the new wisdom is there's no point in doing that because it doesn't actually affect your f meaningful followers. Right. Um, so that's one thing. The um, it's a, it's an interesting thing to me because um, you can. I by the way, you said some things about TikTok I didn't even know. Um, <laughs> And I'm sure that there's places you can go and, and learn about how to how to try and avail yourself of manipulate you. the, the, yeah. the app. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the the it, what going back to where we started, and I know it sounds a bit high minded, but um, doing that, uh, all you know, running through those hoops in the interest of getting a TikTok thing to go viral enough that a label wants to sign you, feels like um, you know bandwagon jumping and it, it doesn't feel like a strategy for career longevity um i'm sure there's counter examples to this but i'm trying to think of lots and lots of bands who have done the same thing everybody else is doing and then had these long careers from it um, um you know and I, I, I again this sounds so cynical and i don't mean it that way because what because my my intention 
is is to try and uh, navigate towards some like really good advice that can lead to career longevity. I told you the story last time. I think we spoke about the young woman who was on one of these reality singing programs, and she broke down in tears after she got admitted into the, the qualifying rounds. And they asked her why she was crying, and she said, "I paid so many dues." She was like 15. And I, I literally thought to myself, I know guitarists who have calluses older than you, right? right. And they're still playing for $100 a night at some dive oh. bar, right? And, they, and by that, these are not, these are, these are musicians with, with technical facility, with soul, with songwriting. They just have never, you know, maybe to their, to their detriment, they've never na- tried to navigate these things we're, we're talking about. Right, right. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know where I was going with that. I think, uh, um, I think well, I, and I and look. I have ahead. to say, I, um, I I think you're right. I the 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 one thing that encourages me now um, is that even on TikTok, and I I save videos all the time, uh, but I see a young emerging group of musicians. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share some with you that will actually blow your mind. Uh, from from female drummers to bass players to guitar players that are coming up. At least I see, you know. Where they're going with this, and it it gives me hope that kids are actually beginning to learn to play their instruments again. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's the that's the key. And I think that what you're what you're talking about is uh, musicians who have done their their homework and know their instrument, know how to play it. And and you know, for for me, I would just say um, there's there's a part of being able to look into the future and go, if I don't master this then it is just a, uh, I'm going to look back on this as just a, a period of my life. Y- your instrument can take you anywhere you want to go. You got to spend the time along with it to learn it and to, to master that instrument. And I see, I see some of that happening now with the younger demographic. But, um, you know, right now, there's not an appreciation for that for some reason. It's like, because our, our attention span is so short. It's like, I watch people look at TikTok and it's like, boom, 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 or Instagram. It's just like, they're just scanning through. They're not really paying attention to any, there's no depth there. So I think there's gonna have to be an awareness somehow created for an appreciation for the real depth of what music is and how it can affect you and, and, and the enjoyment of that. I mean, I look at, I look at kids on, on YouTube who are doing tutorials and, and, they're, and look, I'm, I'm not being cynical either. I'm just or, or criticizing this. It's just because I, I, I have these machines as well, but you know, there's, there are machines that you play a pad and it's like there are chords and you can even lock it in where you're in a certain key and no matter what pad you play, you're going to be in that same key. Um, and, and so what they're missing is the beauty of learning those chords and where that yeah. can take you and how they're related to each other. That's what creates the emotion. And, and you know, it's like, I, I may have told you this story before, a, a label sent a boy band band several years ago down and I'm starting to play and, and one of the guys punched the other guy and said, hey, he's playing chords. You know, it's like, like it was some mysterious thing, you know, but, but uh, I just think, I think we're, technology has kind of put us in this trap where, you know, we, we don't really know music. We only know what the computer is playing, right? And so it's like, I don't know, it, I, I'm getting off into the left field on this, but I, I know what you're saying about all that. No, I think, I think you're on point. The, um, I, 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 I have to agree with you. I have seen... Um, a fair number of musicians who have started to use, and I think COVID's probably accelerated this, use these platforms to exactly things they're doing. And so I, I've, and now I wonder if I'm, there's some confirmation bias there because I'm a musician. And so the people I get promoted to me by the algorithm are musicians. Having said that, um, there are musicians in my feed, like, uh, you know, I have, I have bad history with drummers. Uh, drummers have always been the problem people in my life, but I probably follow more drummers on, on Instagram and other places than anything. Cause uh, you know, right. watching these, watching a really, really amazing drummer is just hypnotic. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's delightful. And, yeah. and so I, I agree with you. I think there are a lot of uh, musicians, um, but, but most of these, if I'm honest, most of these are musicians uh, at, at all these instruments that are not, not in the United States. Um, right. and it makes me wonder if the emphasis on music creation is something that exists, still exists in other countries in a way it doesn't now in formal education, like secondary school. Right. I don't and, have any data point, for that. But 
the point I want to make about all of that, uh, when you see a young kid that's, uh, and I'm, I'm going to send you a bass player, this just blows my mind, but when you see this kid playing and doing what he's doing on the bass, uh, that means he spent a long time without being on the phone, without being, you know, he spent, he spent some time shedding, you know, so it's yeah. like, uh, that's what it takes. And that's what it takes for a vocalist. I don't care who you are. If you want to be a great singer, you, you're going to have to sing. You're going to have to sing by yourself. You're going to have to spend hours on hours perfecting that. And that's the point that I think a lot of kids are missing. They just, they put on, you know, look, and I, I use autotune like everybody else, but they stick the autotune on their voice and they think they sound like Olivia Rodrigo, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going, you've got to do the, you got to do your homework. You got to do the work. And that's the way you achieve greatness. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, um, it's one thing I have this, this essay I'm going to write someday. I'm it's gestating in my mind for years called, uh, our karaoke culture. Mm. Um, and I think that, I think that the reality shows kind of play into this more than any. Um, but it's one thing to like be able to do a song one time. Um, you know, if you don't have bad pitch and you've got some ability to go on stage and, and get a song once, it's an entirely different thing to seeing an entire evening of music, especially if that music ha isn't as athletic in any way, um, and then to do that on a tour. Um, you don't just show up to that. I, I, part of this show, I talked to a lot of vocalists, and it was fascinating to learn um, how so many of these great, great voices have had to figure out how the, the longevity needed to do their job night in, mm -hmm. night out, under the worst conditions. Um, and the same could be said of, of many instruments. Um, but I think that comes by, by doing the work. And it's a, this is conventional wisdom, but it is one that, that I agree with 100%. That is, and it anticipates the next question I wanted to ask about how you prioritize your time and tasks. Because um, I know that it's being said everywhere that musicians now, have, they can't only be musicians. They've got to be marketers. They've got to be business people. Um, but... If you are, let me ask you, um, you work with so many artists and have over the years, how, how do you, is there, are there any sort of um, patterns that you see in successful musicians uh, that speak to how they prioritize their time and tasks that, that, that you see? Maybe these are, this, these are a, another category of success indicators. Well, I, I will tell you, some of the artists that I'm working with right now, um, um, they know that if they want traction on TikTok, they've got to do three videos a day. That's, that's the minimum. Okay. And so that takes a lot of time that, I mean, I mean, you find out, you find yourself just constantly shooting uh, TikTok videos. So, um, and what I try to do is just got to get them to do a bulk amount of those videos at one, at one day, just do a whole day of TikTok videos so that they have them, you know, stored so that they don't have to continue to do that every day. And then the, the, the other days throughout the week, you can actually write and get something accomplished. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's back to turning off the phone, turning off, turning. I mean, people get mad at me. They really, they're like, I couldn't find you today. I couldn't get you to, I have to turn my phone off. Otherwise it's ringing and it's like, um, you know, messages pop through on my computer. I just have to do that to be able to, what I call get into the zone. If I don't get in the zone, it sounds, I, I just, I'm never happy with what I create, you know? So I just have to lose myself. And, and that's what I, I try to instill in some of the artists that I'm working with is that you have to be able to tap into that space that I don't even know what it's called, but it's like where I'll go into a session or I'll go into a song and I'll come out and I'll go, wow, where did that come from? That space is where I love to live, but it's so hard now. I mean, it really is. And, yeah. you know, and, and I'm, I'm doing several different things. I'm developing artists. I'm, I'm, I'm working on the, the, the tracks where you talked about last time for Facebook. But I'm also, I have a, a couple of other businesses that I'm trying to get off the ground. And those take, those require a lot of time and energy and meetings and, and, and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm in the middle of this myself, trying to figure out how do I scale back and really uh, protect my creative time? Because that's what's, that's what's, it's, that's what's suffering more, most for me right now, you know? So. Yeah. yeah, I think it, I think, you know, it's a time management's really important because the, the distraction uh, you know, I'll have it here when I'm writing or composing. If I'm mm. working on the same machine that has internet access and I get some sort of alert to something, it's yeah. it, it's a distraction. 
Um, and uh, some people some people say that they can multitask, but there's new data that says that that's a complete fab. That there's no truth to multitasking. Yeah. Um, linearly focusing on a task and then and do the in, doing them in succession is is uh, you get more done than trying to think you're doing eight things at once. Um, exactly. And I think it, I think you're right. I think it's particularly harmful to the creative process. Um, because the, uh, the other side of that is, is most music and it's somewhat ineffable, but most musicians will say precisely what you've just said is when you find that place, whether you call it the zone or you're locked in or, or whatever that is, um, you feel it like it's a palpable yeah. feeling and right. what comes from that in, in recording and, and in composition is that's the good stuff. I mean, that's the stuff that, that energizes you to continue. Um, right. So yeah, you gotta, you, you know, you, you have to put the device away, at the, you know, um, and keep a schedule, I think. Yeah, so I would just encourage anyone that's, that's having an issue with that, and I'm doing the same thing, is like go into a three hour block and don't let anyone or anything disturb you, you know? And, and that's to me, one way to get things done, but it's like, it's a challenge. It is, yeah. It, it, there are so many demands on our time, um, but I, um, it, it, yeah. In my writing life, uh, there's a, a the uh, one of the probably most successful writers on the planet. Her name's Nora Roberts. She writes mostly um, romance, but she hmm. she makes the joke that, and uh, but I think it's a real joke, meaning a real thing. She puts a note on her door that says, "Unless you're bleeding, stay out." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, maybe we we take a cue from from her on that. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, I love that. So, quick question: um, There, you know, there's the artist, of course, and we've talked about. Well, actually, there's one callback I wanted to uh, to go back on. Um, you you said something that brought brought something to mind. I want your your opinion on. I follow a number of YouTubers who have significant YouTube following, and they built that following um, in large part by doing covers of other bands. Um, sometimes doing those covers, you know, like they'll metal them up, they'll be, make, you know, metalize it. Sometimes right. not. Sometimes it's just a really well done cover. And then uh, others who um, do things that are funny, you know, they'll they'll do they'll they'll do a rendering of a Disney song, um, in a in a different way. And it's musically sound, like the musicianship's great, um, but but its value is mostly comic. Uh, mm. So these, and there's many of these, right? But I follow a couple of them because they think that they actually have talent as musicians. But what happens is they create these huge followings. Um, and then when they get to that point, which was really always the point of wanting to transition and convert that audience to the original music, you see a marked difference between all the other videos they've been doing and the stuff they wrote. Right. Uh, because the, 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 the reputation they built the, the, the audience they built was for this other kind of music content. It right. wasn't their chops as songwriters. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad strategy uh, and, and may pay dividends, but, but mostly what I've seen is if you build a reputation for one thing and then say, hey, now come appreciate me for this, um, you're going to lose a lot of those people because it's not what they were here for. And so I right. wanted your, you, and you've talked about these TikTok audiences. So um, I'm wondering, like, what can we make of this to, uh, to inform, like, how what how we should approach this as musicians? Um, because I, I I feel that what happens to some of these artists that I'm describing is that some of the the, the fans are either just flat disinterested or it feels like a bait and switch. Um, uh, and by the same token, you, you know, uh, I mean the other the other side of the argument is if you just arrived with your your original music. You're one in a gazillion. Um, so I, I'd love your response to that because it, I find it confounding. Well, I've played that game uh, with several of other artists that I've developed over the years and, the, and it became a thing and it kind of still is, I guess, is where you, uh, for me, I would listen to uh, find out what's coming, you know, like New Music Friday or what's being released and you try to determine what's going to be a hit and then you cover that. And when people start looking for that song, they discover you by accident. That's the whole theory behind it. Yeah. And, and so what it does, uh, it, gives, uh, it gives that artist an opportunity to be discovered. But I always say you need to have your own material there ready for people to discover you. You know, when you become a, 
a cover artist, that's what you're going to be. And, 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 that, and there are a few artists that have, have done that and got locked into that. And like you said, when they go to do their original music, it's, it's, it falls short. So, um, you know, and, and look, uh, it, it, not everyone is a songwriter. Not everyone, just because you can sing, is an artist. Right. It, it's just the fact, you know. And I think if there's any thing that we can point back to the majors about that was good <laughs> is that they were curators of that sort of thing. You know, at least if it's on a label, chances are it's pretty good. But right now, you, we don't have that filter. We don't have anyone curating all that. And so everybody's just putting, this, I mean, it's like uh, so much material that goes up that you have to weed through to find the good stuff. And so I think it's just part of, again, what we're, what we're experiencing from technology and how it's affected the industry and, and how we digest music. It's, um, I agree with you. I, I, one of the things that I've uh, confronted is, um, as I was shopping the record that I wrote, is there's this, the, the, the old-fashioned A&R guy who really was a music head and could, yep. I, could, could spot talent, even if they weren't ready, but knew that like with whatever help they would provide would be there, um, has been largely replaced by folks who, who comb social media, find someone with an established audience, and then the the investment isn't about trying to build the, the the musicianship and the and any sort of authentic sound. It's just marketing dollars to pour gas on what's already there, right? Because exactly. it's this formula that's working to some degree. But it it occurs to me that uh, as successful as that might be for a record label, it's it's not a successful way to um, to sort of pay forward the idea of real music, um, because because the stuff that's getting, you know popularized in the social media in large part is stuff that's that's homogenous with all the rest um and um there's only so many of those that there's only so many ariana grandes right right um th this was telling to me i was looking for vocalists for the last record i wrote and i went on to um sound better which is one of these online places where you can you know there's thousands and thousands of vocalists and I demoed, I must have demoed every single female. Um, I mean, it took me weeks to really listen to all these reels. And 97% um, of them sounded the same. They were yeah. all singing the same style, the same stuff. And I thought, you know, I, and I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for something else. So, I, I mean, I guess what I'm driving at is I think there's a bit of a caution, at least from my mind. And, and please debate me on this, but it seems to me that you may very well get some attention, but like if, you're, if your idea is not to um, win yourself a record contract so that you can have a hit while whatever today's flavor is popular, then you really need to approach your music as from the soul. Um, and, you know, whatever that's going to sound like. Um, and that might be of a sameness with what's out there today, but I just challenge artists to do that. Um, um, I know, again, super high-minded. You can say a Rulian, you're operating in <laughs> crazy territory. That's not the way the world works. <laughs> no, I agree with you. The, I have a file on my computer. I have 25 female artists in there. And short of maybe three or four, they all sound alike. I mean, they really do. It's like, it's, it's phenomenal. It's like, and I think a lot of that has to do with, um, I don't know, just being able to, uh, plug logic in and record yourself you know it's just like everybody like i said earlier just because you can sing doesn't mean you're an artist you know it's yeah. like it's crazy i mean there's there's some really good female artists out there and male artists as well but um you know i don't I, you know i i don't know how to affect that i really don't it's like uh the, the ones that actually poke through i mean look here i was not critical of olivia rodriguez at first but it's real it's like i just go it sounded like another one of those, but I actually, as I dug into her music a bit more, uh, I found that she's really, really a great lyricist. And uh, and from that, I've seen a couple of things recently that, you know, she's brought in Taylor Swift and uh, actually gave, she just put her on two songs because I think they were so close to some of Taylor Swift's songs that I think she may have avoided a lawsuit. But, um, you know, you have young writers, there's some that are actually writing good music and I think yeah. that's kind of her thing. Uh, but in terms of a vocalist, you know, I don't know that I can just point to one absolute killer vocalist like we used to could back in the day, you know, with a Whitney or someone like that, you know, who they all try to, some, a lot of them try to mimic. But, um, 
you know, I don't know where that, I don't know where that ends. I, I just go, I think it's part of an, another fad. That one sound, it's just, it's just everybody's doing it or all the females are doing it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a particular vocal technique in a lot of the sort of pop female vocalist stuff where they compromise the, um, the R uh, and it, it, it's, it sounds at once um, overly young, uh, inarticulate, uh, and I had a, I had a vo- one of my vocalists I did hire who could hit the big notes. She was a Nashville session singer. Uh, I had to coach her. I just said no. That, I mean that is not the sound. You, um, and, but it was so it was just such, she built that into her vocal technique because it was uh, it was fashionable. It's popular, um, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a there's actually a YouTube video. I can't remember the girl's name, but she is going through uh, and doing all those. She's mimicking all these girls that are doing it. It's pretty hilarious. I'll try to find. Oh yeah, send me that. Send me yeah. that. I have to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's an interesting phenomenon. Um, with you know, with what's happening. Um, I you know, I mean, I think if if you can successfully build some sort of audience and transition them, then good for you. Uh, I I think though, you know, it it reminds me of when you know, Madonna was a great. Um, artist. I, I never thought she was a particularly powerful vocalist, but she right. certainly had commercial success. But then right. she decided to be an actress, and I, right. I, I never bought her on screen. And mm. now that could be a bias of mine, but I think that it's really challenging for a, an artist um, to establish themselves in one way and then move that audience to the new thing. And I think uh, in music, uh, there, there's a unique challenge there too. It's not insurmountable, but um, I've seen a couple of these guys I follow do these videos on their channel where they kind of just sit and they're really honest with their audience. They say, look, my goal was always my original music. Um, and th- even those videos have like a, just a fraction of the views of all of the funny mm-hmm. stuff or the covers. Um, so it's just a cautionary tale, I think. I, uh, maybe it can be a successful, but it's made me rethink some of my own ideas um, hmm. because I think you – um, you kind of want to be known for you. You don't want to be known for being able to do somebody else. Um, yeah. Well, unless you're one of those Vegas guys uh, who right. seem to be able to do everybody. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's that uh, perception that if I can just get someone to look at me, they'll discover my other stuff. You yeah. Know? And that's kind of what that is. I don't think that, that there, I shouldn't say that, I, that that hasn't worked. Um, I think it's, I, I think you just need to go in with your eyes open. Uh, if you're going to try and build equity in some digital footprint um, on the in the auspices of being able to, you know, sing somebody else's song as as well as they sing it, and then think that, um, you know, and and maybe the the other part of that argument is songwriting, which you brought up, and I think that's maybe one of the most useful things that I that people could take away from this conversation, because some of the bands I love the very very most, they're they're Hallmarks include great, great technical facility on their instrument. Like mm-hmm. really, you know, they can be placed alongside anybody on the planet and be shown to have more pure skill than, you know, most of the rest of the people. Right. But it's not the reason those bands exist. The reason that those bands have persisted is songwriting. Right. Um, and sometimes they, there's lots of flair and sometimes it's not. It's more, it's more you know, spare and, and broke down. Um, but I, so my question for you there is, the more that I, the older I get, <laughs> oh, that's the get off my lawn statement. When, <laughs> uh, as you, I, I love guys who can just play the hell out of their instruments. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm much more uh, attuned to the idea that what's successful is a really good, well-written song. And, mm. um, I'm not sure. I think you can build that skill, but my question for you is, is that something that is innate or is that something that if you work at it hard enough, you can become a great songwriter, like in your, in your experience? Uh, well, for me, you know, melody is first. And then that's, you know, I'm, I'm not a storyteller in the sense that I sit down and write a, a lyric from top to bottom in, you know, an hour. Uh, I have written songs like I Could Fall in Love, Selena song, I wrote that 100%. And, but it took me a while to write that lyric. And, and not that it's like, I don't know, it's not the greatest lyric, but it's like, it's one of those songs that was believable. And it's like, it's something that was, you know, I, I spent three months, maybe I wrote, a, I wrote 
part of it and then put it away and then came back to it. But for me, m the melody is the first thing I listen to. And then I'll go back and dive into the lyric. And, and you know, I learned something from Quincy Jones years ago about if you can't play it with one finger, it's not a hit. That's kind of his thing back in the day. Um, so when I'm, when I'm writing melodies, I'm, I'm playing and I'm singing and, and I just don't accept the first thing that comes out. Not unless I go, well, okay, that's, that's like, uh, I'm receiving it from above, you know, it's like, I, I, but I will actually write a melody and I'll figure it out. And then I'll, I'll just play options and find figure on the piano and figure out what could be stronger. You know, I never take the first thing that just comes out. So, um, you know, for me, it's like that, I think was developed over, over the years. You know, you know, you write with different people and you pick up different techniques along the way as well. But from a lyrical standpoint, I just think there's a gift there that comes with writing great lyrics. Uh, there are people that are gifted that way. And I made that decision many years ago that I, you know, I love writing lyrics, but I'm not, that's not my thing. Melody is what I've always been known for. So I'll pair myself with someone who I feel like is a great lyricist and then collaborate to write the song. Um, unless there is something that I'm so inspired by that it just comes out, you know, lyrically. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am on that. Yeah. I, um, I think that's really uh, insightful advice. Some of the musicians I, I have spoken to, there seems to be a consensus, uh, this, this idea that you, you should absolutely have great facility on your instrument. That of course, I think is a little bit governed by innate ability. I don't think everybody can be Joe Satriani or, um, or Roy Rogers. If you ever watch, if you see some of those Roy Rogers videos, that dude shreds. Oh my hmm. goodness, just uh, just up and down the fretboard like nobody's business. Wow. Um, but that doesn't necessarily equate to songwriting. And so, to the degree that you cultivate that, and I think I think there's a, at least part of that equation is what you said before in woodshedding. I think you just have to put in time um, yeah. to understand how you know chords work one to the next. Um, and if you're going to be writing the melodies, how the changes across those chords have resonance and, and resolve. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff that just comes by doing. Um, so, you know, it, so in a culture where you have 140 characters and you have, my daughter says, if the TikTok videos don't grab her in five seconds, she's gone. <laughs> and I'm like, I, th okay. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, that's, uh, that's, um, th that wow. presents interesting. Yeah. Cause I said, don't you, can't you do 60 seconds on TikTok? She says, oh yeah. But like they get five seconds, maybe. <laughs> wow. Well, that's why I said the earlier. I was telling you, I've watched people watch TikTok and they're like, um, um, yeah. um, you know, if it doesn't grab them, it's like gone. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's an interesting time. Um, yeah, it really is. Look, we're over the hour and I know you have some other appointments today. Um, let me ask you just one last question. Um, we've talked a lot about the craft and things you can do and, and should be aware of and, um, approaches but i'm wondering to, to what degree after all of that would you say success in this industry is a consequence or at least part of that equation is luck and or who you know well i've always said you need a champion um in the business uh, you need someone that believes in you that can that is established and that can help open doors for you I had that early on uh, when I went to Word Records. Neil Joseph was that guy for me. He's the one that believed in what I was doing. He would give me projects to work on. Uh, after I left Word, David Sonnenberg, who managed the Black Eyed Peas, the Fugees, the Spin Doctors, Lauren Hill, all these guys. He, um, he, he managed me for about six, 16 years, I guess, or 18 years, something like that. I learned the business from him. Um, and so he was my champion. And he put together so many deals for me. He did all my contracts. And you know, it was just, uh, he would put me on the phone and say, all right, be quiet. I'm on with so-and-so. And I would just listen to how he'd make the deal, you know? So I learned so much from him and he was my champion. He believed in me. And, and, then, and then I've always had those people like Jim Zumwalt is another one right now. And I know uh, Jim's been my attorney for gosh, 20 years, I guess, but he's, he believes in me and he supports me. And he, you know, it's, it's one of the, having those people in your life is so important. If you can find that, um, I, I feel like, you know, that's part of, of being successful is having someone who's established that believes in you and can, and can fight for you. I try to do that with some of the artists that I'm working with. If I, I'm a, I don't work with anyone that I don't believe in, obviously, but, you know, 
I have to go to bat for them. I have to have to when when other people aren't getting it, I have to continue on and, and be their champion. And that's that's important to me that I'd be that for them because I've had people do that for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I am saying saying who, you know, sounds a little bit um, seedy. I didn't mean it that way. No, um, no, I totally know what you mean, you know but what you're mean. right. It, yeah. And this business is built on that. It's like your relationships are everything. And with that comes back to the very beginning of our conversation. It's like, that's why it's important to, to be authentic and, and build these relationships genuinely so that they do last 20, 30 years because those people uh, can be with you forever. And so that's right. important why the relationships are almost more important than anything. Yeah. I think in some ways you almost at some point have to stipulate to the talent, like, okay, you've done the work on your craft can write a good song or at least you know how to work with someone to write a good song um you know uh to give it uh, an analogy from uh, the fiction world like when authors get signed um sometimes one of the things that the publishing company is looking at is how well does that person present you know how, how are they uh, what sort of ambassador are they going to be for their brand because right. the, the days of just sort of sitting at home and creating and just being a creative and not having any sort of public facing sort of presence are gone. Right. Um, so I, uh, you know, and in service of that, I remember going to many conferences, music and publishing conferences, and nobody's there is who, who's at these things <clears throat> doesn't know that the reason you're there is to forward your career. I mean, it's, right. it's the reason you go, but there's right. a, there's a very, there's a, a, a different sensibility if you walk into an after hours, you know, mixer or gathering, um, if you if you're there with a sort of sort of sweaty, um, you know, a nervousness because you you need to make a contact versus knowing that you're in a room full of professionals. And if you can if you just sort of relax and be yourself, the opportunity comes, you put yourself in the situation um, that can be it can be hard um, because you might walk away from that party without a talk to anybody who can help you. But, but that vibe that you give off of, of you know, of, a, of nervousness and, and um, you know, pr pressing um, is very off-putting. And so the, mm -hmm. one of the things I've counseled, uh, mostly writers, is say, look, do all, you have to write, you have to be getting better at your craft. But when you get to the networking, you, you need to be able to go into a place and, and, and enjoy yourself and be yourself um, without without an expectation that you've got to come out with some sort of editor's number or, you know, because that, that feeling that you give off is going, they'll read it and it's they'll going to read it in a second. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that that holds true in music. And so um, I do, I do, I guess there's a part two to this question. Are there places for musicians that they can have these organic conversations that can lead to, a network of champions, um, you know, is, are there established ways to do that in, um, you know, in, in an authentic way? I mean, I don't know of any forums or any, any established ways that they do this other than just them performing and being themselves on stage. And then, uh, you know, you find someone that comes up, Hey, I'd love to, you know, talk to you about what you're doing and see if we can get involved, that sort of thing. But it's another thing too, when, uh, when you're a young artist or when you're going into a label setting, um, you know, it, it's a lot of times artists pretend, uh, they feel, artists feel like they have to be more than what they are. And they, so they become nervous and they, the label really doesn't get a good sense of who they are from their artistic standpoint. Yeah. And so a lot of times they'll get, they'll get passed on because of that, because they feel awkward or they look awkward or they didn't say the right things. But, and that's just becoming, you know, that's, that's just from being nervous about being in that setting. So, you know, and, and I, I've always said, I think the labels miss it a lot of times because they pass on talent that really, if you just take a little time with them and, and give them an opportunity to become comfortable with you, then then at that point, you know, you'll get to see the real artist. And I, and that's why I never sign anything just on, on a meeting. I always bring them in and sing, you know, have them sing on the mic and record them, at least get a feel for their personality and, and actually find out what other uh, key areas in their life that are important to them and that you can tap into that's part of their artistry because it's, it's, you know, it's multidimensional. It's like, you've got so many different aspects of an artist's life. I have an artist that I'm working with right now from Canada who is absolutely, her life experience is a big part of who she is as an artist. And so I'm trying to tell that story. And I think I'm trying to convey to her that is 
your magnet. That's what people are going to come in and, and know you for. And then you use your music, you know, hey, I'm a great singer too. So all that combined is, is part of your artistry. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really good advice. Um, uh, an industry guy I knew said he went with a bunch of executives from the label to see a band play. And they, I guess um, everybody came up to him and said, oh, no, no way. These guys are awful. He said, no, like they're, they're having a bad show is what it mm. was. If I remember right, the band was the Killers. Um, <laughs> of course. Uh, if, if it wasn't the Killers, it was someone of that sort of, and he was able to convince him, like, like we can get them to practice. <laughs> we can get the, like, we can iron out right. the sort of live show. So they, he convinced, uh, right. against all of the other execs, they signed him. And of course, they just spent some time rehearsing the show and stuff. And then those guys went and just sold millions of records. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So anyway, I don't know, I don't know what that means. Maybe it means, uh, you know, be sure you're you're on when you when you have your show because you're not always going to have an executive who can see through exactly uh, see yeah. through everything. Um, well, Keith, this has been amazing. Uh, I think there's yeah. tons of valuable information here. I'm really grateful to you that you'd come spending some more time here. Oh well, thank you. I'm grateful. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, man, I think you're so smart. I I mean, I should be interviewing you. You know, it's <laughs> like, by the way, the stuff you sent me was incredible. So oh, thanks. Good luck to you yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll catch up with you. I know I sent you a note. I'll catch up with you some more on that on a day when you're not so busy. I have some questions for you. Um, but, uh, folks, um, this has been Keith Thomas. Um, we'll do a pointer to where they can find you, Keith, and, and the things you do um, and to the, our prior conversation. Um, but this has been – I've learned things here, and I'm sure folks have uh, who follow the, the channel. Um, and I think that that's a big service to – musicians who really care about what they're doing so thank you no thank you all right let me play this outro here sit tight have a good uh have a good day man all right you too